need somebody not just anybody you know i need someone welcome to family caregivers unite with dr gordon atherley Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 308 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is sharing the burden in jails and detention centers. In 2013, the John Howard Society reported on conditions in Ontario, Canada's jails. The society found that two-thirds, two-thirds of the prisoners in Ontario's jails have not actually been convicted of anything. They are in what's called pre-trial detention. They are detainees. It also found that most of the detainees would be out on bail if they had someone willing and able to agree in writing to forfeit a specific sum of money if the accused person fails to show up in court. And the society also found that the vast majority of prisoners are from poor households torn apart by domestic violence. The report makes clear that prisoners and detainees need help for the problems that brought them into the justice system, help for their reintegration into society, and help particularly for troubled young people so they stay out of custody, which is why our topic today, sharing the burden in jails and detention centers, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Scott Duncan and Brent Haldane. Now, Scott and his wife, Julia Duncan, founded Sharing the Burden, which operates a 12-step program for all members of troubled families and others. Their own experience taught them that even when only one family member has troubling problems, everyone is affected and needs support. Then, in June, on June the 8th, 2012, they lost Scott's son, Sean, to an overdose of fentanyl, a powerful pain-relieving medication related to morphine. Sean, with his history of addiction, and Scott both participated in 12-step recovery. And Scott says that traveling the pain of Sean's addiction and my co-addiction as a team has been the highlight of my life. Now, Brent writes that one of his earliest memories of his aunt is, is of his aunt Lois, a Christian missionary in Ethiopia. He remembers an, Amer- an African shirt that she gave him and that he proudly wore until it fell off his back. Lois, he says, he writes, was a guardian angel who swirled in and out of his life during a very formative time in his development. Her presence was powerful. Her inspiring goal was, and still is, is to help others. When he got a chance to work in the prison system, he thought it would be a great way to give back. And he adds that the light you see on many of these forgotten faces makes you realize how each of us needs love and support. So welcome to the show, Scott and Brent. Good to be here, Gordon. Yeah, good to be here. Okay. Let's start with you, Scott, now. Please Mm -hmm. tell us more about your life and work, 
Scott? Yes. Uh, well, uh, since the uh, loss of my son in uh, June, uh, June the 8th, 2012, uh, things have taken a dramatic turn. Uh, I should say dramatic in that uh, I've become very, very busy with uh, spreading the word, spreading the word about uh, sharing the burden. And uh, as you mentioned, the uh, main focus there uh, for uh, for me anyway is the uh, the great gift that uh, Sean and I experienced while we were both in recovery for different things, mind you, but uh, the 20 years that we were both in recovery while he was in and out, uh, the times that he was in, we had uh, a relationship that's uh, second to none. In other words, we, we met on levels and spoke on spiritual things, spiritual matters, and we were very deep and intimate. And um, make a long story short, we uh, had uh, uh, the better part of 20 years uh, in a at a state, I would say, that's uh, far beyond what most fathers and sons ever experience. So, th- so that's where uh, it got started for me. And today, it's uh, it's about expanding uh, the message. Uh, Taking it to different uh, places, you. Uh, we've talked about the institutions, uh, prisons, um, churches in particular. Uh, we've uh, talked to many, many pastors, and uh, not one has disagreed that uh, even with Bible study and uh, so much, um, what should be intimacy uh, visible in the church, uh, there is still a great need for place where people can share deeply, anonymously, uh, in a manner that's uh, not hurtful, but uh, anonymous, and uh, so that they know no matter what they say stays in the room they say it in. And uh, just it, it seems that uh, that's kind of the main focus of where I'm going these days. I've got a big dream, though, Gordon, and uh, that is to see the sharing the burden concept of uh, sharing and uh, and working the 12 steps together, uh, being used uh, literally throughout the world, we've between uh, broadcasting and uh, social media and uh, absolutely whatever I can get my hands on, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get this thing moving. It's a great dream. Now, Brent, please tell us more about your life and your work, Brent. Absolutely, yeah. Well, maybe not quite as ambitious as Scott's right now, but I'll give it a whirl here. Uh, I'm in real estate. I've been in real estate since 1981. So that's, uh, wow, that's a long time, 33 years. I didn't even think of it as that long, but it's, it's, been, it's been a good ride. There's been ups and downs. Um, the beauty of real estate for me is that, to me, it's all about helping people. Obviously, the business is... Uh, part of it, but it's about helping people get homes. To me, it's a very unique way of doing sales. It's not like you're selling ice to Eskimos or anything. You're you're basically, you're fulfilling a need, and I'm more a consultant, uh, I'd say, than that. I'm bringing people together, and the greatest joy for me is when I find the right home, or the greatest joy is when I'm selling their home, you know, and that to me is a very spiritual sort of, to me, I think of spirituality in business, and that's the way, that keeps me sane, and it keeps me sustained, you know, through, through my uh, through my career, and it's a, it's a joy to help people, you know, and that's 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 what I like. But I also like diversity in my life. I'm uh, I take different courses through the Toronto District School Board. Uh, I'm in a choir, an eighty person choir, which is fantastic, and that all helps. And of course, I do volunteer work. I've done some work 
for previously with the Red Cross and delivered food to shut-ins and... Uh, then I got involved with uh, Toronto East Detention Center in 1991, and from there it's been a really interesting way to give back. You know, and one thing I really realize is I appreciate my freedom on so many levels, and also I appreciate my the gift of literacy that we have in our world. And you go into the prisons, and sometimes people can't even you know can't help read some of the uh, literature that we give them. So there's a, uh, there's a deep appreciation for things, and you really, really get a chance to, to give back in a meaningful way. And uh, I think that's about it for now. Okay, great. Scott, what are the main types of problems for which sharing the burden brings help, and how, very quickly, is the help provided? Scott? Well, first off, uh, addiction uh, combined with uh, mental illness, I would say, are still by far the the biggest. Um, But when I say those two things today, I also want to make it very clear that the tired out and frustrated caregivers who look after these people are equally burdened in so many so many common ways, and uh, fortunately, there's a common way to uh, to help them all out uh, through our sharing the burden process. Um, I think what we can do best for them today and uh, is, is education, to be honest. Um, but uh, there's so many people who are jailed without a possible uh, possibility of recovery. Um, we we use such things as uh, prayer counseling sessions, um, as you know, support meetings, and as Brent mentioned, uh, regular meetings uh, within prison walls. Uh, the the big burden inside the prisons, uh, from my perspective anyway, is that there's so much inconsistency that uh, a fellow doesn't know from one day to the next whether, even if he wants to recover, whether he's going to be able to get to a meeting. In other words. Uh, there's just no no sure way to know whether prison's even going to be open for for business uh, for business I mean for volunteer business or uh, or, or that sort of thing. Um, one of the things, just just to give you an idea, I have a, a list here of what we call addictive agents. I'm just going to read a few of them to you just to uh, give you an idea. I'll read the sentence that goes with it, too. Um, We embark on recovery as a means of seeking freedom from any one or more of a number of addictive agents, anything or person, persons upon which we form an excessive dependency. For example, alcohol, drugs, work, achievement, success, money, overspending, gambling, hoarding, control addictions such as uh, could be personal, family, sexual, business relationships, Food addictions, sexual addictions, approval dependency, uh, um, dependency on toxic relationships, cosmetic surgery, clothes, cosmetics, looking good on the outside, academic pursuits, uh, materialism, and uh, one which I think has always looked far beyond, I call busyism. Just right, cannot take right. a moment to, uh, <laughs> to now, see what's going talking, on. Yeah. Scott, I'm just going to interrupt you only because of the tyranny of time, Absolutely. because I want to give Brent the opportunity to just tell us what the main types of problems are for which help is available to prisoners and detainees uh, in the jails and detention centers. Yeah, I think, Gordon, one of the main things is that a person can feel isolated in a crowd. You're basically crammed into these small, confined areas, and you don't really have any way of reaching out. 
And you, I think often you need some soul food. You need some spiritual sustenance, but they're not sure what to do. And I think, again, coming in with sharing the burden and uh, 12-step groups like this allows them to have a chance to, to reach out. You know, like there's, there's much available. There is chaplaincy, various 12 steps, you know, and they're often we're called do-gooders, you know, when we go in there. But uh, we don't go away. We keep coming in, and I think we give them that, that, that sense of hope. But I think the hardest thing is the walk from the back of the, um, the grill area, the, the area where they are in the main, you know, common area, up to the grill when we ask whether they want a meeting or not. That takes a gutsy person because, you know, they're going to be centered out. They may be isolated. They may be uh, ostracized somewhat when they come back. But you know what's interesting is a lot of people still come to the grill. And once one comes, another comes, and then three or four comes, and they're ready to come out for a meeting. And, and I find that courageous, but all they need is a bit of a, a bit of a push sometimes, just a bit of a nudge, uh, because they want to change. The, they, I think inherently they want to change the way they're doing life. Right. Very good point. Now, we do have to change for a moment, and that is we have to take a short break, as I always say, to pay the rent. Okay. So then we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Scott Duncan and Brent Haldane. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Scott Duncan and Brent Haldane. Our topic is sharing the burden in jails and detention centres. Now, both of you, let's talk about help and hope for people, prisoners and detainees. Now, first of all, Scott, how and by how much does sharing the burden bring help to the people it reaches out to? Scott? Yes, uh... Well, we first of all we we have regular meetings, uh, two going on in the city, and uh, third, as we've spoken about in uh, the local detention center, um, we do also some prayer counseling, and we're we're always phone available. Um, I, I'm going to uh, tell you what a couple of people say about. Uh, you know, how we might have helped them, and maybe that'll give the uh, listening audience a opportunity to know a little bit about who we are. Um, sharing the burden members say, I want you to know your program has helped us with my illness, the loss of my brother, and other personal issues. People arrive with uh, life's burdens and leave in a better emotional state. Another fellow says, I feel so relieved when someone can understand and share my burden. I felt at home immediately. Another one, I actually slept last night without any nightmares. And the final one here, it's great to know that God always has a safe place for us to go when the burdens become too big. So so we do provide uh, hope, and uh, in many ways, uh, I believe we have have slogans that we use all the time. One of them is keep coming back, and uh, and, uh, this makes all the difference in the world. If someone goes away feeling encouraged and hopeful, they will come back, and uh, so the healing process starts. Right. Mm. Now, Brent, how and by how much does the help available to prisoners and detainees bring help to them? Brent? Okay, well, Gordon, I don't think I can quantify that per se, but, you know, all I know is uh, my gut feeling is that it helps because people keep asking for meetings. You know, if we went in and people stopped asking for meetings or we didn't have any requests for meetings, then I'd be thinking, okay, well, maybe we're not helping. But there's that sense of, you know what, I think it's a process. You know, things change over time, as we all know. But And I've heard the term that new habits take 21 days, 21 ways 21 days to break a habit, 21 days to, to build a new habit. So it's something where they start to look out for us and they may make a request, and I just feel that it helps. It gives them, again, a sense of hope. That's a, going to be a recurrent theme tonight is that sense of hope, and everybody needs that. How long can you survive without that? I remember hearing something like, you know, you can survive for, you know, for maybe 28 days without food, maybe four days without water, but... 10 minutes without hope. So when we go in there, you can see that the people that truly want to change their life come and they ask for a meeting. And I, I just feel in my heart of hearts uh, that uh, it, it helps in a, in a major way over time. You know, nothing, not, not some huge revelation like some flash revelation all at once. When I see people coming back to meetings, I see more light in their faces. Right. Now back to you, Scott. I'm asking you a very similar question, but now I want to focus on bringing hope. So here's the question. How and by how much does the help brought by sharing the burden bring hope? Scott? There's no question it it brings hope, and it brings a lot of hope. Um, Our our pastors uh, at the the church that I go to are, are forever sending anybody in who's down and, uh, and 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 all kinds of accolades are coming back weeks later about uh, how these people have have found just that 
hope. And uh, all I can tell you about how we how we give them hope is we share our experience, strength, and hope in what we've lived through. It's really just the transparency and the uh, the love that we're able to give freely and um, you know unconditionally. It's uh, it's a wonderful process, and the program has has literally helped millions. Uh, when I say the program, I refer to the twelve step by and large, not not simply uh, what goes on at sharing the burden, but. Uh, and, and and people also hear their own stories in others' stories. In other words, we're uh, sitting around a, a table and we're speaking, and uh, and people hear their own problems and they hear solutions. And uh, it, it's kind of magical. I mean, we do say that the uh, 12-step program is a spiritual program, and I think that's something that's always got to be, be remembered. Uh, the spirituality plays the major role. There's no bosses. There's no... Uh, consistent chairs, there's no uh, consistent leaders, uh, we uh, rotate leadership within the groups, and I, I think it's very important to remember that uh, the major things that happen, happen in uh, by way of uh, spirituality. Now, whatever your belief happens to be, it doesn't really matter, but uh, if you attend enough meetings, you'll see that there are spiritual forces at work that make all the difference in the world. So. Right. Now, Brent, again, it's the same question but it's relating to hope. So how and by how much does the help available to prisoners and detainees bring them hope? Okay, okay, well, I feel, a, I feel a quote coming on, Gordon. The yes. quote is from Bishop Desmond Tutu, and it says, Hope is hearing the melody of the future, and faith is dancing it now. So for some of these people, they may not have a bunch of hope when they're in there, but the faith is what we give them. We start with that, and when we come in to the uh, when we come in and we have a meeting in the inactive area, we start to give them a sense of faith again. And I think again, it's that process I was mentioning earlier. It just comes over time, and then they start to maybe have a little more spring in their step, and and they're just you know they're just uh, they they just feel better about themselves, and ultimately that makes them feel better in in general. You know, and I think that like. To me, it's all about healing the universe is an inside job. They start to feel better, and then they're more, more open to us. Now, again, some people come out just because they maybe want out of their cell for half an hour, but most of the people come out, I think, are very, they're, they're there for the right reasons, and, and I find that to be very powerful, and they keep coming back. Now, often they keep coming back until they're, until they're released, and I remember from one particular person uh, I knew that was, uh, that was released, he said to me, and I met him at another point in time outside, and he said, Brett, you made a, your, your meetings, you know, not only me, but the meetings made a huge difference in his life, and he was very emotional about it, so that gave me, a, again, a sense of hope for, for what we're doing. Right. Now, to go back to, to Scott, yep. um, you both in a way, in different ways, referred to the loneliness, even though it's a very crowded place, people feel lonely, if I've mm -hmm. understood that right. Yeah. Now, Scott, please talk to us about how sharing the burden, bringing help and hope, combats that sense of being alone in a crowd. Scott? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a real good one. As a matter of fact, um, Brent mentioned briefly uh, how we go into a, into a prison and we have to solicit uh, through a grill um, inmates who are on their free time, basically. They're 
18 hours in uh, in their cells and six hours out in the, in the particular institution we go into. So when they're out, there's a number of things they have to do, including uh, use take a turn using a phone, uh, a little card, watch TV, whatever. So the the ones who the ones who come out want to come out now. They all come out for a seemingly different reason. They can come from from one of two ranges. So, in other words, they may not even know each other, but they come out because they've got some some kind of burden. And anyway, when when they get out there, and we're all together in this inactive area that, um, which is just a big cell, by the way, that uh, Brent was talking about. When we're all there in the same room and we start sharing, and and my secret has been for years to immediately come out with something something that's very difficult for me to share. And in my case, uh, I use the death of my son. And, uh, and I show them a picture, and uh, I don't tell them why right away, but uh, and then I explain how I visited him in this institution and how... Uh, you know how uh, they're very much like him, and then I tell them that story, and, and and this immediately softens them. And and even the toughest of guys, when you hit them with something like that, and then and I, it doesn't have to be that drastic. It's just that that's what's been what's burdened me. But sharing that has them coming back very quickly, sharing deeply, and uh, and talking feelings, and, and that's where it begins. It's very difficult to get uh, hardened people to talk feelings, uh, so. The only way I've found to do it anyway is to be so transparent myself, and whether it's uh, previous to um, to Sean dying, uh, would have been talking about uh, living at home and how lonely uh, an existence it was with uh, alcoholic parent and uh, abuse going on in the home and so on. So, uh, But there always needs to be, somebody needs to do it, and, and it's up to us as leadership if we want to get these guys feeling and, and hopeful. And, uh, and then... From that, they know there's a camaraderie in those, at least who were in that little meeting, who were able to share and share deeply and have the sense that they're protected and safe and that it's not going to come back on them. So, Right. Now, same mm-hmm. question to you, Brent. Um, what about this question of loneliness? How do you approach it? And how do you see that combating that effect of um, the negative effect of loneliness and also strengthening the positive effect that people feeling, well, maybe I'm not alone. Brent? Well, again, when, they, again, when you get out to a meeting again and we're all sharing in, um, in a circle or just on the same level, there's no, you know, there's no hierarchy per se, uh, people start to feel you know, that, that they're connecting. And, and that, that's the main reason, as, as Scott has already mentioned. Oftentimes, the, these detainees or prisoners will, will feel like victims and like everything happened to them. And then when they start to hear that other people have had similar experiences, then they, because a lot of 12-step is based on the focus being on self, then they really have to, they're confronted with what's my part in it. So the isolation, I think, starts to break down because they're thinking, wow, you know, no, I'm not the only person on the planet here that have had something bad happen to me. I don't have to isolate. I can reach out to others, and there's people there that I can share my, you know, share my pain with and ultimately be a better person. So, you know, and regardless of circumstances, everybody can have a, a tough time, you know, and I think it decreases them thinking in terms of, yeah, but, yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but they did that. The focus comes back on them. And I remember one particular person in there talking in terms of how he felt he felt more of a sense of family in prison than he did at home in his own, his own family. And that really came as a shock. 
And I thought, so at least if we're in there in the prison uh, area, milieu where he's feeling more of a sense of home, we can open a window to another way of living. Right. And doing that, I think the person can reach out and have a lot more, less, uh, have less isolation. Very powerful points from both of you on that, on that loneliness issue. Now, it's time to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guests are Scott Duncan and Brent Haldane. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Scott Duncan and Brent Haldane. Our topic is sharing the burden in jails and detention centers. So now, both of you, let's talk about the ways in which you'd like to see sharing the burden bring increased help and hope, prisoners and detainees, for the problems that brought them into the justice system, for their reintegration into society, and for troubled young people so that they stay out of custody. Now, starting with you, Brent. What do you think is the greatest opportunity for sharing the burden to increase help and hope? for prisoners and detainees for the problems that brought them into the justice system. Brent? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gordon. I think that a lot of it is making better decisions. Um, For sharing the burden, it basically brings, again, as I mentioned earlier, bringing the focus back on the individual to 
make decisions for their life and thinking in terms of being more proactive as opposed to reactive, you know, as, you know, proactive as where you're taking charge, taking charge of your own life. Uh, now, oftentimes in prisons, I've heard it said from people that have been in prison that, you know, uh, they make all the decisions for us when we're in prison, and then as soon as we get out, we're supposed to make the right ones. You know, and I think that's a really good point. Like, so if you're starting to make good decisions for yourself in prison, then you have much better chance to make a good decision when you get out. And that will obviously make for a better citizen and just for a better individual. Because I know myself still, I can be reactive to things as opposed to proactive. I think it, it affects all of us. It doesn't matter what walk of life we're in. But I do know when I sit down and go, okay, this is not what I have to do now when I make a bit of a plan. I feel better. So I think what happens with sharing the burden is you start to, people start to see that this is, these are life skills that can be used every day in every situation, whether you're inside a prison or out or wherever you are. They're portable and they're very powerful. Right. Scott, what do you mm. think is the greatest opportunity for sharing the burden to increase help and hope for prisoners and detainees for their reintegration into society? Scott? Yep. First thing I think we need to do, Gordon, is we need to get into more prisons. Um, we've uh, team, or actually we're in the process of building a team uh, which will consist of about 10 people who go regularly into uh, the one prison we go into. We've got a model, though, that's been working well for many years that we've used in other 12-step programs, and uh, we want to get that into as many other prisons as possible. That's the first thing. And uh, and we want to be able to train in-house teams. Now, all prisons, of course, aren't detention centers like the one we call on. And, uh, and in other words, many times uh, people are in these other ones for uh, quite a length of time. So, so it's possible to, uh, to train people to run their own meetings and they might have an overseeing sort of thing once in a while rather than us visiting every week. So that, that's another way. Um, and, and there's a couple of messages that need to be driven deep into the uh, inmates' uh, head before they get out of there. And one of the things is that what are you going to do different the minute you get out of this place? Um, and, and I always tell them, you know, plan it now. Plan it right now that when you go out of that door, when they lift that big door up and let you out, have a have a have the knowledge that you're going to go right to a meeting. You know, and someone's going to pick you up and take you right to a meeting. And before you leave that meeting, have yourself a sponsor and. Uh, and you got a shot, you know. And then we're, we're talking addicts and alcoholics, of course, but uh, that's ninety-five percent of what we get to talk to in there. So, um, and the other thing is, uh, commit to change, uh, change your peer group. If you go back out and call the same person who uh, you were with when they took you in, you're going to do the same thing you did. You know, we have a saying, uh, a definition of insanity. If you do the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting different results, that's uh, good definition of insanity. So uh, therapy where needed, get yourself into therapy. And, and in terms of uh, how we're going to do these things, an awful lot of it we hope to be doing via radio broadcasting. We're working as we speak on uh, putting together um, different programming possibilities and even a, a show of our own down the road. So I think that, uh, and as Brent said, the, the, the more... The more hope and the more encouraged and the more loved and the, the 
greater sense of uh, who they are as they leave that place, the better their shot of communicating in, in any competent way outside the walls. So, Right. Yep. Now, Brent, the question for you is, same line of question, but what do you think the greatest opportunity for sharing the, the burden is to increase help and hope for troubled young people so that they stay out of custody? Brent? Okay. Well, Gordon, it's a common theme. I think it's, uh, part of it is, as we've talked about, is, is creating new habits. It's making right decisions. It's carving a new path. I often think in terms of like when a car is stuck in a snowstorm, you know, it takes a while to cut a new groove so you can get out of the ditch, you know, and, and oftentimes it, it, the wheels will fall back into the old thing. You'll get, you know, as they say, falling into the same rut. So you, it, takes, it takes energy and it takes dedication to create a new path and, um, and then get out of the ditch, uh, you know, literally and figuratively for, for, for these people. And um, once habits are formed, they're there. You know, and I, and I think that they, they just exist. I have a friend who's a runner, and she said, you know, I just run all the time. I just do it. It's not a question of why I run. It's when. And similar to Scott's talking about, if they get used to going to meetings, it's not a question of why they go to meetings. It's when. When do they go? It's just part of their fabric. And when they do that, again, you know, if you start replacing more bad habits with good habits, because oftentimes it leaves a hole. Some people think, gee, if I just take away habit, what else am I going to do? Well, replace it with something healthy. And going to meetings and getting out and not isolating and get, not getting in the poor me's, but getting out and reaching out to others and connecting is one of the most powerful and healing things a person can do. Right. Now, back to you, Scott. Yep. What do you think is the greatest opportunity for sharing the burden to increase help and hope for the families of troubled young people so that they, the young people, stay out of custody? Scott? The first thing we can do is uh, speak to the inmate in such a way that he understands from day one that the program we bring to him is equally advantageous to the people at home in the family, whether that be a wife, children, mother, father, whatever. The uh, the 12 steps have helped a myriad of people in a myriad of different circumstances, and, and they will definitely go a long way to helping the people at home understand, number one, the inmate who's in prison, and uh, Secondly, over time, uh, possibly how he got himself into a situation which led to uh, addiction uh, and so on, and, and, to, and to separate the uh, the inmate from his disease. And, and, and these people are diseased. They they have bona fide addiction and in uh, probably 75 to 80 uh, percent diagnosed mental illness that goes with it. So. Uh, Expressing to these uh, inmates the value of the same steps for their family members is really key. Um, convincing them to take home whatever they can get in terms of uh, literature from us and from anyone else with 12-step uh, information. And, and they do talk to them on the phone and so on, too. And just, uh, But I, I think that's really the main, the main theme is... Uh, we're, we're getting something here. We're feeling, and they'll know just in the phone calls. They'll know that these guys are are feeling hopeful and uh, and maybe even feeling loved. You know, and, and to me, that's uh, the greatest thing. I've had a fellow say uh, one day. He says it sounds 
crazy, but I mean, I, I, I feel like you guys really love us. And, and that is so powerful coming from uh, a person sitting with a bunch of his peers in orange and, uh, and telling us that. I almost brought tears to my eyes when I heard that. But uh, that's the sort of thing that can happen. And when you're like that, uh, you sound different and your family knows. And so hope comes to the family and, uh, and we're on the right track. Now, I want to go back to Brent. What I hear from you both is that you're seeking change in a way of life, in a sense of going places to places where you're welcomed, and you're talking about change to a new way of life. Now, Brent, first of all, do you agree with that summary that I've given you? And if you don't, please correct it. No, no, that, that's, that, no I, I definitely agree wholeheartedly. And again, you know, it doesn't matter what subculture you're in, per se. I even know that, you know, in choir, I have a friend who struggles with some of his own addictions, and he got to do a, a solo in a, one of the pieces we had, and he felt, he felt on top of the world, and everybody was warm and accepting. He put his work in, but, you know, uh, people were just, like, you know, giving him high fives and things like that. And, and just that sense of acceptance just gave him a huge boost so it, it's similar in the prison system too if we're there and we're talking to them um, and they don't feel that there's deep dark secret is that the you know is if they don't feel that, that that's the only, they're the only person on planet that has it then they can open up I've heard it heard that some people that have addictions think of themselves as uh, being terminally unique in the sense that you know that they're the only person that they're dealing with that, and they will never know different because they isolate so much. So when they come out of the isolation, and there's another saying, you know, we're only as sick as our secrets. When they come out of that, then then there's real hope for them. Right now, Scott, back to you. Yep. Um, the families they come from um, mm-hmm. are we've heard this um, are difficult, face right. great difficulties, and this kind right. of thing. What to what extent? you want to extend sharing the burden to the families specifically as groups who you think would be benef- benefited by what sharing the burden offers? What do you think? Uh, generating, uh, you mean for people who have people in prison? Yes. Specifically? Yes. But the only way I know to get to them, is, as I've said earlier, is uh, is through the inmate themselves. Uh, now, there could be more done in in future through the corrections departments themselves. If, uh, but this would take a lot of educating and on our parts. And uh, I don't know. That's a that's a difficult one to answer, to, to be honest. Uh, but what we want for them, of course, is uh, is the same thing. We want them to have the. Uh, the hope we want them to feel that they can be loved. I mean, some of these fellas, uh, as Brent mentioned earlier, are uh, almost totally illiterate, uh, and more than likely, uh, that's uh, the same case at home. Uh, so we're starting from a very different place, but we're able to, uh, with years of experience, to give these fellas an opportunity to try. And I mean. Uh, and, and also, quite often, say you know, in this game here, you you pass when you're you're not comfortable doing something. Uh, if you want to try, you want to read a line, uh, great. If you don't, just uh, just pass. There's uh, you know, all we want to do is here is communicate and uh, you know, and show you that you're cared for. And when and when these fellows can express what they take home, will be the fact that uh, if they can express, 
so can their loved ones express, and so right. can they be loved, and so can the so can there be hope for them. Uh, you, these people aren't used to being listened to because they, they're they're afraid to speak because they you know they don't speak as eloquently as most of society and. Uh, it's a it's a vicious circle, but I think the right. the hope really starts. It's it's much greater hope for the guy in prison at the time than it is for the one at home. So got it, got it. Yeah. Now at that point, we've got to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Anthony, and my guests are Scott Duncan and Brent Haldane. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP ninety point one FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Scott Duncan and Brent Holday. Our topic is sharing the burden in jails and detention centers. Now, both of you, let's talk about the things you would like to do and see done to bring increased help and hope for the kind of challenges that we've identified. So first of all, Scott, what Mm -hmm. more would you like to do? Scott? Yep. Uh, An awful lot more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, provision for comfortable, consistent meetings, um, that's a a long ways down the road. you see, for once in a while, we can get a meeting in in the chapel in the in the jail, and that is like night and day. We've we're in a room where uh, no more noise is coming from all cells all around, and 
And I found any time we've been able to do a meeting in the chapel, it's been like night and day. And uh, but my point is, if we could have something consistent like that, the fellows would have a lot more hope. And and the other thing is, uh, and it may be different in other jails, but we don't know from one day to the next which area of the prison we're going to be able to hold a meeting in. In other words, these inactive areas are used by lawyers, they're used by chaplains, they're used by other uh, help groups. So we, we never know when we can get back to the same person. So it's uh, that part's really difficult. But uh, again, uh, you know, 95% of the people we see have a combination of uh, mental illness and addiction. Um, right. So provision for comfortable, consistent meetings is, is important no matter what. So change peer groups. This is what has to happen. Uh, we have to get into their heads. The only thing that works, especially with the addiction, is abstinence only. Uh, pay a little, or in my opinion, no attention to these harm reduction programs that supposedly uh, teach an addict or alcoholic how to uh, you know, drink without putting 999% of his energy into just not drinking. But uh, anyway, more info for the prisoner uh, read the results of his life his lifestyle should it continue Scott, as it is you know Scott I'm going to stop you there just yep. because of the tyranny of time but those, yep. that's a very very important set of things you want to do Brent what more would you like to do well I think Scott said just about about everything that I was thinking of in, in many ways uh, Gordon but I just know uh, what I do now I can just maybe touch a bit more on what I do that I think really really helps them and uh, I know that by treating them as equals we have their ear you know we sit eye to eye again as I mentioned before I think there's no hierarchy and I know when I share my story it becomes a two-way street and I let I let them know very clearly you know like the, there's no grand poobah here this is it we're sitting uh, we're sitting on the same level and I let them know too that I'm learning too Again, and that's that's the most important thing I think that really helps. And we're all on the same level. It's human to human. Doesn't matter where we're where we're congregating, inside a prison, outside, at home, at a restaurant. And um, again, I think that's where the healing is. Right. Now back to you, Scott. What more would mm-hmm. you like to see done by the social systems, Scott? Yep. First of all, education again, but uh, addiction, like all illnesses, is a disease and has to be seen that way. Um, we we need uh, the whole system needs compassion for the. Uh, if these guys aren't loved, they get worse. And I mean that's that's as simple as way I can say it. Uh, encouragement for the fellows themselves. You can do it. You can do it. Uh, you know, uh, stories of others who we know. Um, and as as Brent said so importantly. Uh, I look across at these guys, and if I'm alone, I'm the only guy that isn't in orange, and, and, and I tell them the slogan, uh, but for the grace of God, guys, uh, you got orange today, and I'm wearing blue, but there's no reason on earth why that couldn't be the reverse. So uh, government, schools, uh, awareness, you know, awareness just needs to be spread throughout. So uh, major needs for caregivers. Uh, caregivers can be helped with the same good steps for living. Uh, encourage prayer. Encourage spiritual activity. It's known just how much better people uh, not only survive but heal and grow and and become more available and valuable to society. So, uh, those yep. that's about it. Uh, good ones. Good ones. This end. Yep. Now, Brent, what more would you like to see done by the justice system? 
different? Well, again, I think just more more awareness, as Scott was mentioning, of the benefits, you know, of these programs. It would be nice to have more of a concerted effort to, uh, you know, to, for more people to know that um, that these really do benefit everyone. And uh, I'd like to see less of a stigma, and that would come through awareness with respect to how, how volunteers are viewed by some prison staff. Now, again, sometimes we're just viewed as goody two-shoes. Now, having said that, my experience has been great overall, but I've heard of situations where volunteers are treated like a bit of a frill, and that's, 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 that's a little sad. Now, but again, overall, my experience has been great, Gordon, um, and I think when the prisoners are exposed to this type of program, they'll be a better client, and that's one of the terms they use now, right? They don't necessarily use prisoner, it's, it's clients. They will be better clients, and so it's a win-win-win situation. It's a win for us, we get to go in easier, it's a win for the prisoners, and it's a great win for the staff, because they're going to have um, much happier um, prisoners, you know, or clients, per se, and, and how can that not be a good thing? Now, we unfortunately are coming to the end of this in extraordinarily important episode so I want to thank you both but first of all I'd just like to summarize back to you um, the way I see what you've been talking about which is essentially this that all the things that you've been talking about sharing the burden all the methods that you employ all the um, things that you're trying to achieve in the way of change in the way of bringing people together in the way of um, giving them the idea of a new way of life. All of that is addressing, all of those things, it seems to me, are addressing some of the major problems in our society. You know, we talk about, we talk about the families that these people come from. Well, let's reach out to the families. We talk about doing things for young people to keep them out of the justice system. That's important too. Let's do that. Then there's the question of what, and you've talked about this very carefully and very well, what happens to people when they're released from jail? And then I guess we're talking about um, dealing with the sort of situations that they've lived in and we don't want them to return to. So thank you for the, all of this. I wish you every strength in what you're doing, every success. And all I can say to you is, uh, for the sake of all of us, for the sake of society, keep it up because it's vital. So I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be What a Family History of Schizophrenia Tells Us. Please join us. Same time, same on spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.